Good evening, good to be with you again on this Lord's Day, and we have the privilege tonight to open God's Word once again, and I invite you to do that with your Bibles open to the last chapter of Matthew. We will be reading from verses 16 through 20, focusing our attention actually on verses 18 through 20. Before I read that text, uh, I just want to thank you all for your attentiveness over the last couple of days. It's been a great joy to meet some of you, to share in God's Word together, to share in fellowship, to meet some of those that you are supporting around the world in global mission, um, and to be here to see you celebrate that $185,000 faith promise this year. I was talking to Pastor Barkley Earlier and at your first missions conference, evidently, your reach goal was $12,000. And that was just a few years ago. God be praised. What a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Thank you that as you have witnessed that your treasure is where your heart is also. So this shows us where your heart is. And so I rejoice in God's faithfulness, not only to you, but through you. And thank you for your kindnesses to me as I have been here over this last couple of days. We have begun in Ephesians and seen that love that is like no other, a a love that is a constraining, a compelling love, the love of God that is really the font of mission. And then this morning we saw in that towering text of the Old Testament This great vision that has been cast for the people of God through the revelation of God, that there is a purpose for history, and it is that the nations gather, sing, and give praise to the glory of the triune God. Tonight, having seen a love that is like no other and heard a prayer that is like no other, we will attend ourselves this evening to a calling that is like no other. And with that in view, follow now with me in Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your purpose on earth. We thank you for your saving arm, your mighty arm and your tender hand. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your elective kindness and grace that is manifest in and through your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our elder brother, our Savior, and indeed the Lord of the nations. So as we hear from the lips of Jesus tonight, we pray, O God and Father, that by your Spirit, 
that you would stir up within us the very sense of urgency that Jesus gives us in this age between the ages as we await his return. May we be about this great commission as we await the return of our blessed Savior. Oh God, be with your people tonight. Teach us, instruct us, and show us your love. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. C.S. Lewis famously said, Aslan is on the move. It is indeed the case that over the course of the last 2,000 years, the church has grown incredibly. We've heard a bit about that from the testimonies of many in this missions conference. But tonight, as we look at this text, these closing words of Matthew's gospel, We're addressing a text that has been known in the last many generations as the Great Commission. And I want to ask the question tonight as we wrap up this missions conference, what is so great about the Great Commission? Why is this a calling like no other? What makes it so great? This made me think of a number of great things like the Great Lakes, We know what makes them great. We know what makes the Great Wall of China great, if you have seen it. Then there is the Great Wolf Lodge. Not so sure what's so great about that. And I have more than once visited Great Clips and had my hair cut. I am definitely not so sure what is great about that. Then there's the Great Dane. And of course we know what makes the Great Dane so great. It is the great buckets of drool that come from their jowls. But tonight I want to ask the question, what is so great about the Great Commission? These closing words of Matthew's Gospel come to us in a moment on the stage of redemptive history. That as these disciples gather around Jesus, this is at the point of of his resurrection from the dead. And as we read this text, we see Jesus giving his disciples, giving his apostles a charge. This is what you are to be about. This is what you are to do. But don't miss the moment in which Jesus says this. Part of what makes the Great Commission so great is this is the great answer to the Old Testament question. If you think about the Old Testament in its entirety, it is awaiting that arrival of the promised son, the prophet, prophet, priest, and king, the one who is indeed the fulfillment of the promise that was given Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Abram. Through you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. What makes the Great Commission so great in large measure is that this is a manifestation of the great answer to the question of the Old Testament. From Genesis to Malachi, there is an inherent restlessness 
of anticipation. Everything is forward-looking. And now, as you see the apostles preaching in the first century, they are stunned that they live at that moment on the stage of history where the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. So in large measure, what makes the Great Commission so great is that we find this moment of Jesus at his resurrection giving these words, calling people to the task of mission. To be sure, this text has a particular focus on the apostles and then those who are ordained ordained officers in the ministry of the word in the life of the church to the global church. But it bears implications for all of us who are, as we heard this morning, recipients of the grace of God. And we thereby become instruments of that grace of God on that divine errand of mercy, of proclaiming Jesus Christ to the nations. See, Jesus doesn't leave us wondering what we are to do. He gives us an explicit command here. And surely the greatness of the Great Commission lies in part because this, Jesus, is the great answer to the questions of the Old Testament. But there's more, isn't it? Isn't it true that there is language here that directly ties this commission to the church? As we read in this text, we find Jesus saying, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I surely, in a context like this, do not need to persuade you that the task of mission is the task of the church, but you are unique. What has taken place over many generations, especially in Western missions, but now throughout global missions, has been a disenfranchising of mission from the church, from the visible church. There are many who would argue that the church is an afterthought. It's not really important. It's just about you and your relationship with Jesus. And yet, isn't it striking in this great commission? Jesus directly ties the mandate to make disciples to the visible entry into the visible church. This is a mission that is churchly at its core. And while contemporary mission is dominated by the parachurch, it is indeed the call of the church to carry out this task. Many will also argue that the role of the the missionary is just to, to share in relationship with people about Jesus. But let me let me remind you about the integral connection in Scripture between salvation and the visible church. Or to put it in theological terms, soteriology and ecclesiology. You see, if we have the church without conversion, all we have is a social club. But if we have conversion without the church, we have nothing more than sentimentality. 
Again, to put it in theological framework, soteriology without ecclesiology is mere sentimentality. But ecclesiology without soteriology is nothing more than sociology. Jesus ties the call to entrance into the visible church with this language. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So part of what makes the Great Commission so great is that now with the scope of going to all the nations, we have the great gathering of the people of God from every tribe, tongue, and nation. This is a glorious commission. Because not only is there a particular people on a particular plot of real estate in the Middle East, but now this is a mission that is going to the entire globe whereby the glory of God will cover the whole earth as the waters cover the seas. Jesus, then in part as he expresses the great commission and he describes it as the the great answer to the Old Testament, he is also saying its greatness lies in that gathering, that visible gathering of local churches around the world. I find this indeed quite stirring in the way in which our brothers and sisters in a place like China know they must gather. Some of them risk their very livelihood to do so. But they would rather obey King Jesus and gather as the people of God in visible communion. Because the great Jesus has told them so. The greatness of this great commission then surely lies in it being the great answer to the Old Testament and the great gathering that Jesus expresses in this language of making disciples of all nations. Not merely those who are private in their faith but those who are public in their faith as well. The Apostle Paul will describe the church as pillar and support of the truth. That happens only when the people of God gather and sit under the word read and the word preached and the word administered through the sacraments. The greatness of the Great Commission then lies in this great gathering. But look what else Jesus says. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Note that there is a direct tie in the Great Commission to disciple-making coupled with proper instruction, not only for understanding, not only for information, but for transformation. Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus' teaching 
that he gave personally and then gave through those apostles whom he appointed uniquely to give testimony to the meaning of his life, death, and resurrection. Those apostles that serve as the very bedrock of our faith, as preserved for us in the pages of Holy Scripture. That word is the word that we are to hear, but not merely hear, but as James will tell us, be doers also of that word. For Jesus has given this great commission. How tragic it is when the modern church has fallen into the trap of soundbite theology. Twitter theology. There was a few years ago a debate on Trinitarian theology happening on Twitter of all places. It only took the church 500 years and tomes of writing, untold hundreds and hundreds of people gathering to try to articulate what Scripture says about the triune God, and we have a debate on Twitter. Tis to tweet to trust in Jesus, right? And yet, what Jesus says here is that you, as the people of God, in the Great Commission, you are to observe all that I have commanded. Make disciples in instructing them in these things. The whole counsel of God, as Paul puts it in Acts chapter 20. Our whole lives are to be identified then with this Jesus in this Great Commission. So what makes the Great Commission great? Well, surely it's the great answer to all that the Old Testament anticipates and all of its restlessness. It comes to rest in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The greatness of the Great Commission as well is, is found in this visible gathering of tribes and tongues and peoples from around the world all gathering for worship of this Jesus, that great gathering. But there's also a greatness to the call. It's a mandate. It's an acknowledgement of the lordship of Jesus Christ. You heard from Dan Shia this morning about some of what's going on in China. There's so much more to tell. It is breathtaking and astonishing and let's just say the tea parties are not always as friendly as Dan made them out to be this morning at least in his experience but what I do want you to know is that as the church is being persecuted it is indeed continuing to thrive I I see that the church in China like a growing beach ball in a pool where, where the government keeps trying to push it under, and it just unrelentingly pops back up bigger yet. This is precisely what is going on in that, in that great land. But it is also true that there is a cost. There's a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to following Jesus. When Jesus says making disciples involves instructing them to observe, to obey all that I've commanded. This is a call not merely for our intellectual tickling, but for our life submission. And part of what makes the Great Commission so great is that call to repudiate all 
and to follow King Jesus. It's no wonder that at the Mount of Transfiguration, when the Father looked down at the Son and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, he then said, Listen to him. What makes the great commission so great is the great answer to the Old Testament, the great gathering of the people of God from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and the great call to follow Jesus at all cost. The Apostle Paul, in his last letter to Timothy, if you remember Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I was just in Ireland and I had to learn to say to Timothy chapter 2. Uh, didn't do that flawlessly, but at least I didn't say that to you tonight. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he describes in verses 10 through 13 the call to Timothy to remember Jesus Christ. I find that amazing. That Paul has to remind his understudy as he's describing to Timothy that he must be strengthened in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 10, 11, and 12, he says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Do you realize we can get so bound up in life and and even in ministry that we can forget Jesus Christ and Him crucified and raised from the dead and exalted at the right hand of the Father who lives ever to intercede for us and He will come back to claim us as His own. This great call is a call to full allegiance to that Jesus. Let us not forget Him. Verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's a reminder that this great commission, this call to make disciples comes to us from the triune God. The one true God of all of history. There is one God, three persons There is no Christian gospel without the Trinity. It is the sine qua non of our faith. There is no faith without the triune God. Many, many years ago, Benjamin Warfield was speaking to a group of prospective missionaries. And he said a number of staggering things in this lecture to some aspiring missionaries. But he said this. He said, the greatest risk that a missionary faces when he goes to convert the heathen is that he himself is converted by the heathen. In his estimation, what happens as the missionary gets involved and enculturated and is so concerned about being relevant and about making connections, he bore witness over and over and over again that when the missionary came back, he was more like the heathen than he actually was about the Jesus whom he went to proclaim. Coupled with that, in that same lecture, 
Warfield also described that particular manifest, a particular manifestation of that. He had more than one missionary in the Muslim world who came to him and said, I believe I have found a way to teach the Trinity to Muslims in a way that does not offend them. Warfield says, if you teach the Trinity in a way that does not offend Muslims, you are not teaching the triune God of the Bible. I have never met a Muslim convert who was not first offended by the fact that God sent his son born of woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those under the law. You see, in Islam, their monadistic sort of orientation about the, the, the God that they believe in. That God has no son. The Christian gospel is Trinitarian. What makes the Great Commission so great is the greatness of the triune God. This is the message of the God of heaven that we heard this morning from Psalm 67. It is that God who has said, this is the purpose for history. It is that God who said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It is that God who is the God of heavens and earth, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Part of what makes the Great Commission then so great is the greatness of our God. But there's another feature that I want to attend to as we consider the greatness of the Great Commission, the calling like that which there's nothing else. Look in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Now, some of you might be scratching your head for a moment and think, okay, wait, the Son of God is himself God. So how does he receive authority? Doesn't he always have authority? Well, let's think about that for a moment. This is not only God in human flesh. This is God in human flesh. I remind you of the temptation of the Lord Jesus. Both in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Let me just read to you from Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give... All this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. That's Satan. Then he says, if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Now note what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't say to Satan, that's not your prerogative. For as we look at the unfolding of biblical revelation, what do we find? That when our first parents sinned, there was a curse that was placed on the earth. There were blinders that were put on the minds and hearts of men and women. There was an authoritative ruling of the prince of the power of the air who blinds the hearts and minds of men and women and children from every tribe, tongue, and nation. 
So what does Jesus say? It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. What is Jesus saying to Satan? I hear you. I know you are offering me a shortcut to glory. But I will do my Father's will and the only pathway to that glory and that authority is the cross. For that is what the Father has appointed to me. See, Jesus had to obey his Father. It was his very food to do so. He had to suffer and die. He had to be raised from the dead. And the authority that Jesus speaks of here in verse 18 is an authority that on the stage of redemptive history was now uniquely His as the God-man risen from the dead. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given Him irreversibly. Because in His death and His resurrection, He has conquered sin, death, and Satan Himself. You want to talk about greatness in the Great Commission. What makes the Great Commission so great, yes, is that it is the answer to the promises of God in the Old Testament. It is the the very great gathering of the visible church all across the globe. It is the great call of Jesus. It is the greatness of the triune God. But the focus of this particular moment is the greatness of God manifested in the resurrection from the dead. This is why Paul in Romans 1 will describe the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Jesus has attained an unprecedented and irreversible power by virtue of his resurrection. You see, the resurrection is not merely for us to, to believe that God's a strong God and he can even bring somebody from the dead. No, it's much, much more than that. It is in Jesus' resurrection from the dead that he is the first fruits of the harvest. There is one resurrection from the dead and your resurrection is sealed permanently because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All authority, Jesus says, in heaven and on earth has been given me because I am the one raised from the dead. So what makes the Great Commission so great? It is the greatness of the Great Commissioner. What makes it so great is the greatness of this Son. And this very Son, look at verse 20. The second part of the verse, he says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. By the outpouring of the Spirit of the risen Christ, we have new life breathed into us, whereby we have been taken from death to life. From darkness to light, we are made new through the power of the resurrected Christ. And that Christ says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, what makes this great commission so great is the greatness of this great commissioner who pours out his spirit. He is with us to the very end of the age. And this is a mission, a commission that cannot fail. Because Christ has been raised from the dead to the glory 
of God the Father. This also brings great comfort to us, doesn't it? In that charge to make disciples, it's not dependent on us. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are or are not. It does not matter how strong you are or are not. The strength for the Great Commission lies in the strength of the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. And this is a mission that cannot fail. What is our task then? What is the task of the Great Commission of making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you? Note how uncreative that mission calling is. It is not our task to invent the theology. It is our task to take that which we have been given, that which we have received, and give it. It was mentioned some point, I don't remember if it was this morning or yesterday, my family and I served as missionaries in Eastern Europe. We lived in Sofia, Bulgaria, and any of you who have done language learning know the blood, sweat, and tears uh, involved in language learning. You also know how it requires making an absolute idiot of yourself at multiple times when you're trying to learn the language and your tongue just gets wrapped up around the back of your head. Well, this was a point in my language learning where I was still using a translator for my preaching. I hadn't yet quite crossed that that Rubicon from listening to the translator and now getting to a place where I was actually preaching in Bulgaria, and I was right at that pivot point. So my translator that morning, this particular morning, was Simeon Grazdonov. And Simeon... um, did what most translators do. As he heard me speak, I would make a statement, he would make a statement. I made another statement, he made a second statement. I made a third statement, he made another statement, then made another statement, and then made another statement, and then made another statement. He just kept going. So I looked at him and I said, Moni, Tazi Nadelia, Ste Propoviadvam Svoyata Propovet, Drukden Mojas to Propoviadvam Svoyata which translated means, Moni, today we'll preach my sermon. You can preach your sermon another day. And then it dawned on me, what a beautiful illustration of what the calling of a herald is to be. We are not to subtract from the message. We are not to add to the message. Or to take that which we have received and deliver it faithfully. We don't invent the message. We've inherited it. We don't design the message. We deliver it. You see, as those called by Jesus Christ in this great commission, we are called to be heralds of King Jesus. Yes, uniquely so for the officers of the church, but for all of us who enjoy the general office of being members of Christ's church, we have received this glorious gospel. We are being made disciples. We are learning, and the things that we have learned should be in our hearts, but they should also be in our tongues. 
What makes the Great Commission so great then is the great answer that it is to the Old Testament, the great gathering of the saints from the four corners of the earth, the great call that Jesus has given, the greatness of God Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the greatness of the Great Commissioner. But finally, don't miss this, what makes the Great Commission so great is this is something that will not fail. Not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. I want to close out this missions conference with a word to some of you younger people in this room. Not that this isn't for older folks as well. But I want you as young boys and girls here tonight to listen very carefully to what King Jesus says. It may be tonight that he is actually beginning to plant a seed in your young mind and in your young and forming heart that maybe indeed Jesus will call me to go to the nations. And I want you as the older saints in the congregation to begin praying for and identifying Young people that you believe that God is uniquely equipped, uniquely gifted, and begin urging them to pray about how they might be on the front lines for King Jesus. I remind you, this is the only promise that you can give your child of investing their lives in something that will not fail. There is nothing else No economic goal, no political goal, none of those things are guarantees. This cannot not happen. How about investing your life, young people, into the Great Commission, following the great commander-in-chief himself, who says to all of us, all authority, in heaven and on earth has been given me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Let us pray. Oh God, with your word we are reminded of the great hope, the great certainty, the great comfort and confidence, joy that it is to be your children. And as you have called us in your word to this great commission of making the fame of Jesus known to the nations, oh God, I pray that We would delight in yielding to King Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank thank you for the hope that it gives, the certainty that it gives us, the clarity that it gives us for our lives today and until Jesus Christ returns. And, oh God, I pray for this congregation. Would you raise up an army of young people who will be all about the mission of Jesus. 
and be part of that group of soldiers that will bear witness to the promise of Jesus that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Oh, God, be pleased to use the investment of dollars and time and focus in this congregation that it would increase in multiple ways not only its giving but its sending. And we would ask these things in the mighty name of King Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.